Good evening, church. It's a pleasure to be with you this evening. It's a blessing to, to be back here. Uh, they say absence makes the, the heart grow fonder, and after uh, being back home in Arizona for a couple weeks for the holidays, uh, it's proven to be true for me. Uh, I'm very thankful and, and grateful to, to be with you and, and to be a part of this body. I hope you had a, a wonderful uh, holiday season spent with family. Uh, I wish you a, a very happy new year, and I pray that uh, the 2023 is full of blessings for you and your family and your loved ones, but most especially for the Lord's Church, for the Lord's Church here at Oldham Lane. A new year means those dreaded New Year's resolutions. You're familiar with the concept. A New Year's resolution, a, a promise to do something differently in the new year, a promise uh, to do better, a declaration of your intent to make changes, to make an oath or a commitment to do just something differently in the new year. Uh, this is something that's grown increasingly popular, it seems like, in today's culture. Uh, these resolutions can be as something simple as uh, choosing to be nicer, uh, maybe eating healthier, uh, or even things like, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. We might resolve to start going to the gym or cutting back on our favorite junk food. We might promise uh, ourselves to watch less TV and spend more time outside. Uh, we might promise to be kinder to that frustrating coworker, or promise ourselves to stop using that uh, one word we say too often. Whatever it is, these resolutions uh, usually relate to some kind of lifestyle change. Some set these goals and reach them good on them. And some of us, if you're like me, set resolutions on New Year's Day, and by January 2nd, you're saying, well, better luck next year. Uh, it's trendy, but is it effective? And this isn't to say I don't have great respect for, for people that set a goal and, and strive to keep it and then do so and, and achieve great things, because I have great respect for that. But the reality is that we make these resolutions and oftentimes fail to tr stay true to them. But what if we, what if we as the Lord's church, resolved to be something more? What if we all resolved to be God's people always? Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, this guy knows that he's preaching to the church, right? We, we are God's people, and, and that's certainly true. We are God's people. But sometimes we waver in that commitment, don't we? We fall short. That's a, that's a fact of life. We get drug off into the weeds, and unfortunately, sometimes we forget to keep the main thing the main thing. Before I uh, came up to the pulpit this evening, we sang uh, this song, I Am Resolved, uh, a song, you know, we usually use it as an imitation, at least in my experience, uh, but the words of this hymn offer promises to God. They offer a commitment to always be his people. I want to take a look at some of those sentiments this evening in, in the song and make some biblical application that I hope will make you and I stronger in our resolve to be his people. Church, we need to be his people because if we aren't, who will be? If we're resolved, the, the first line says, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight, Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. 
Church, is it true that some choose to, to linger in this world? Unfortunately, I find myself too comfortable sometimes in the ways of the world. I find myself being allured by material things, desiring to fit in, following that same beaten down path that it seems just everyone else is following. Talking about New Year's resolutions, uh, usually when we, when we start choosing resolutions, they're usually along the lines of, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to, to start this. However, sometimes we make resolutions uh, that might mean giving something up. We're going to take a look now at, at some of the things that is the church, I believe we should resolve to, to stop doing or avoid doing if we're not doing them, to make sure that we aren't lingering in the world. The first among these is making a resolve, making a promise to not walk with the world. We live in this world. That's unavoidable, church. But it doesn't mean we have to act like them, talk like them, think like them, or invest our, our time in the same things that they do. As a teenager, and even now as a, as a young adult, I still do this occasionally. I worry about what others might think or say if I stand out too much. What if I offer to pray in front of this group of people and they don't like it? What if I mention God or Jesus in the wrong setting? What if I get made fun of because I stand up for my beliefs? What if I make someone uncomfortable because of what I believe in? What if I rock the boat because I speak out the truth? Now, you don't need to talk me off a ledge or anything, but I think these are things we all struggle with, different ages in our life. And, and I especially know that uh, at a young age, when we're so impressionable with, with one another and we're worried about being accepted and fitting in, this is a struggle. My encouragement to you tonight is, is if you're a Christian of any age and you worry about any of these things, don't. Don't entertain those thoughts for one second. God calls on his people to stand out. He calls on us to go against the grain, to rock the boat, to leave a mark on this world. Four highly revered young men of Scripture did just this. You know where I'm going. I know you know these stories well, so I won't retell both of these accounts in full, but I do want to take a quick glance of them. Let's go to Daniel chapter 1. In Daniel chapter 1, for some background here, King Nebuchadnezzar has become ruler, and, and he seized all these young men. And he wants them educated. He wants them well-fed. He wants to make sure that they're smart and strong. And then he wants to use them for his personal service. And here in Daniel chapter 1, we see four young men who are resolved. Beginning in Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 and following. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted to Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. The commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of the Lord the king, of my Lord the king, who has allotted your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking gaunt in comparison to the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please put your servants to the test for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined in your presence, in the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food. 
and deal with your servants according to what you see. And so this commander indulges their requests and he sees uh, at, the, at the end of the agreed period that they're still just as fit as the others. In fact, they look better. Continuing in verse 18, Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of expertise and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the soothsayer priests and conjurers who were in his, all his realm. These boys, these young men, resolved to rely solely on God. At their own peril, they chose to go against the grain. They could have chosen to just go with the masses, to do what they were told, make the safe move. But their resolve to be God's people was greater than their desire to linger in the world. And we see that they were greatly blessed because of their resolve. And of course, we know the resolve that Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah had later on as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Church, we shouldn't walk with the world. There's temporary joy, temporary benefit, but eternal consequences. Church, while it's true that we shouldn't walk with the world, it's also true that we shouldn't settle in our faith. Mediocrity and comfort is what kills churches. Let's just be real. Satan loves a church of comfortable people. Satan loves when we think to ourselves, you know, I'm happy with where I'm at. I don't really need to keep pushing. I've done enough. I do my part. I think those are his favorite words right there. I do my part. I've done enough. He loves when we proudly profess our faith on Sunday and fail to do anything with it the rest of the week. Church, don't settle. Don't get comfortable in this world. Paul had, had the following words for those in the church who sit around comfortably, not exercising their faith. This is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. Uh, Paul wasn't afraid to, to speak the truth, and this is certainly one of those occasions. Again, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 12. We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life, and not according to the tradition which you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship we kept working day and night, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have the right to this, but in order to offer ourselves as an example for you, so that you would follow our example. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear this, that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and eat their own bread. Church, to sit idly by and wait for the work to be done goes directly against what we're taught in Scripture. We're not on vacation. We're not here to relax. There's a difference between trusting in the church and getting overly comfortable in the church. I think some even view their Christianity as simply as a reason to not go to work on Sundays. 
but the truth, at least that I found to be in my life, Christianity does not make my life better because it makes my life easier. It makes my life better because it gives me purpose. It gives me a reason to get up each day and let God work in my life. Church, do not settle. Do not settle. And in not settling, we also need to resolve to not pursue worldly things. It's important that we labor and we work hard. We were just talking about this just moments ago. But it's important that we don't sacrifice eternal things for temporary things. Working hard is good. It's in fact biblical. But we shouldn't labor our lives away for worldly things. We shouldn't focus all of our time and energy on bringing home the bacon. Church, work for the sole purpose of a goal's sake at the expense of a relationship with the Lord and his church isn't worth it. Work hard. Take care of the ones you love. Keep your promises. But first and foremost, remember who you are and remember whose you are. We are here directly to love and have a relationship with God. Pursue that first. Keep the main thing the main thing. The second line of the song reads, I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin in strife. He is the true one. He is the just one. He has the words of life. We spent some time talking about resolutions that we might make in the new year of things to avoid or stop doing. But really, the resolutions that we like to make are setting positive goals, right? Head up, eyes focused, hearts full, ready to go. So let's take a look at some resolutions that we ought to make as Christians in the Lord's church. Church, can we all resolve right now to walk with Jesus? Again, Tyler, you're preaching to Christians. This is the name of the game. This is what we do. But does it not become tiresome? Does it not present its own challenges? Church, we talk about our Christian walk often. We, we talk about following in the footsteps of Jesus. We, we talk about walking with him. On that note, you remember being a child and getting in trouble or even disciplining your own kids. And of course, uh, they blame their siblings or their friends or their classmates for their poor choice. And as a kid, I could not stand it. Could not stand it when I would get in trouble and I would say, well, he or she, you know, did whatever. And my mom or a teacher would say, well, if they jumped off a cliff, would you? I could not stand that. In fact, I remember being in seventh grade. This is a true story. My seventh grade science teacher, God bless that lady. She, she said this to me. I got in trouble for talking or something. Me, talking. I know, shocker. Um, and I was trying to, trying to convince her that I didn't engage the conversation. And she said, well, I don't care. If he jumped off a bridge, would you? Honest to God, and this was the first time I got a junior high detention. I looked at her and I smiled and I said, no, but I would yell, do a backflip. And she didn't think it was funny. Anyway, whatever. She wasn't too happy with me. But you know the saying and you, you understand the idea. If, if, if so-and-so did this big, bad, scary, or dangerous thing, would you? And of course, the logical answer is no. For us as Christians, following Christ, walking with him, do we understand what we're committing to? The Gospels tell us that walking with Jesus means carrying a cross. It means being crucified 
with him. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, this is the one who will save it. Church, we have to wake up every morning and choose the cross. It's heavy and painful at times, but it is the instrument of our salvation. Walking with Jesus is the only way. And the truth is, this is where self-preservation kicks in, right? We say, no, why would I do that? Why would I put myself through pain and suffering and sacrifice just for a promise that's years away? This is where someone asks you, well, if he took up his cross and died, would you? And our gut instinct might be to say no. Thank you, Father in heaven, that Jesus wasn't worried about self-preservation. Thankfully, he was willing to take up that cross and die for you and I. So we have to ask ourselves, am I ready to walk with Jesus? Church, will you resolve to walk with Jesus? And I think we all desire that walk with him, but, but, but doing so, going to the Savior, requires good spiritual habit. We have to resolve to spend time with our Lord, and so we must resolve to talk to him through prayer. When we pray, we're praying to our Father. We know that. We begin prayers with, with sentiments such as, Dear God, dear Father in heaven, Heavenly Father, whatever it is. Because of this, sometimes we forget that we're, in praying, also building a relationship with Jesus. If we desire to walk with the Savior, if we desire a relationship with God, church, we must be a prayerful people. If you've been keeping your eyes on the news recently, and I'm so sorry if you do, uh, but if you keep your eyes on what's going on, you know what's going on in the sports world right now. Uh, last week, an NFL player was, was injured on the field, had a cardiac event, and it was pretty intense, pretty scary. And all of a sudden, here we are seeing people pray and and they talk about it like it's this big miraculous event because we don't see it in public often. We don't see uh, public expressions of faith like this. Why not, church? Can we resolve to be prayerful people? In John chapter 14, explaining his, his unity with God and helping the apostles understand, Jesus has this to say. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Church, when we pray, we strengthen our bonds with, our, with God our Father, His Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. When we pray, God hears us through His Son. He loves you and I and cares. When you're getting to know somebody, whether it be a, a friendly relationship or other intentions, whatever it may be, uh, you usually spend a lot of time getting to know them, talking to them. Spend some time talking to Jesus, y'all. Get to know him. Spend time with him. When people see you, do they see Jesus? When people see the way that you interact with your peers, even with your enemies, 
Do they see Jesus? Speak to him like he's your loved one, church. Let him hear your praise and your struggles and your ups and your downs and trust the Lord with what's on your mind. Because if we want to go to the Savior, if we want to walk with him, we have to talk to him as well. Church, can we resolve right now to go to God's word? Can we resolve right now to set him as our standard? In John chapter 1, verses 1 and verse 14, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. If Jesus is the Word, and we want to have a relationship with him, and we want to walk with him, it seems plain that we need to be reading God's word. We need to be in his word daily. I can sit around and pull out the Bible and read a scripture or, or, or pull out the Bible and find a verse and say, hey, see, I was right and you were wrong. I can, I can sit down and say, you know, I better re- read a couple verses tonight to make myself feel like I'm doing the right thing. But to sit down and intently study God's word, it takes time and sacrifice, but the end result is a better Christian trained in scripture and closer to our savior church when when you're lost and afraid when 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 we're uncertain when you're seeking answers we must resolve to go to god's word amen in today's world everyone has an opinion of what's right and wrong who decides our favorite politicians our 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 favorite news organizations our favorite preachers no god's word decides And if we wish to walk with the Savior, we have to go to his word. This has to be our standard. Above all, even when it hurts, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it makes us unpopular. This is how I measure right and wrong. Good and bad, failure and success. Church, resolve to set him as our standard. We're almost done, I promise. I like to talk, you know this. As we end, there, there's a third verse as I was reading and, and studying and researching to, to present the sermon. Of course, there's the four verses that we traditionally sing, but there was another that I came across that I didn't want to pass on. I love the words, I love what it offers. And, and it reads like this I am resolved, and who will go with me? Come, friends, without delay. Taught by the Bible, led by the Spirit. We'll walk the heavenly way. I thought that was beautiful. Church, as we resolve to be God's people and to always keep him at the forefront of our lives, it begs the question, and who will go with me? Or rephrased, who will I take with me? I have a few minutes left. Let's, let's look at three final resolutions that are critical to the life and the work of the church. The first one is resolving to share the good news. This is a primary function of being a Christian. We call it the Great Commission. When we're dealing with the gospel, what is that? The gospel means the good news. And what is that? Church, the good news is what brings us here. It's what puts a smile on your face. It's what brings us together. It's our uniting cause. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. That is the good news. Jesus Christ died so that we may have hope of eternal life. In this news, the news of a Savior sent by a loving God who wants a relationship with us, will you resolve to share that news? Can we pause just for a second and talk about gossip? You all love juicy gossip. I know it. Don't lie. You love hearing news about other people. We scroll social media. We're in a frenzy for it. Looking out for the latest dish on people we know. Finding out happenings here and there. We sit in small groups and we, we whisper about one another. I've caught in y'all's attention. That's kind of weird. If you really feel the need to talk, if you really feel the need to share some news, make it the good news. I dare you. I, I absolutely dare you. Go up to your friends like you got the juiciest drama. Do it. Act like you got something to spill, something to tell them. Go up to them. Make a scene if you have to. I don't care. And then just tell them. Jesus died for you. They're going to laugh at you and, and, you know, make a funny face, but I don't care. It'll, it'll make me happy. Um, please, somebody do that and let me know how it goes. I just, church resolve to share the good news. But that's not enough, quite honestly, church. We must also resolve to treat it with a sense of urgency. God wants everyone to hear the truth. Acts chapter 17, 30 and 31, God is now declaring to, to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through man, through whom he has appointed, through a man whom he has appointed. Church, God sent us out into the world to tell them the same thing that Paul wrote here. This message is an important one. We need to act with passion and urgency. Church, I want you to picture something for me for a minute. You're dead asleep. It's the middle of the night, maybe early in the morning, 1 or 2 a.m. You happen to wake up, you smell smoke. There's no fire alarm going off, but it's pouring in. You, you know for sure something's funny. You're probably going to get out of the house right away, right? That's just our natural instinct. We, we talked about self-preservation. I'm getting out. And then as you stand there out on your lawn in your pajamas, you're going to realize... Oh, my wife's in there. Oh, my kids are in there. Oh, my husband's in there. Oh, my family's in there. There are people I love in there. And in that moment, I'm willing to bet that nothing is going to stop you from going in and getting them out. When we become Christians, we're rescued from those flames and from the smoke. And then we stand out on the lawn watching that burning house. Are you going to go urgently back in to share the good news? The house is on fire, but I know the way out. Church, not to be dramatic, but this is life or death. One day we all will meet our end and face judgment. The Bible makes that clear. Can we resolve to treat this message with a sense of urgency? There are people I love in that burning house, and I want them out. I love them dearly. Way too much to leave them behind. Church, can we resolve to desperately bring Jesus to people? You're probably reading that thinking, did he say that backwards? We should be bringing people to Jesus. Well, the truth is in today's world, they're not coming here. We can turn the lights on and turn the sign on out front that says what times we're open and open our doors. They're not pouring in. We need to take Jesus to them. 
It's okay to be invasive when it comes to Jesus. It's okay. He gives you permission. Upset the world. Go and upset things. When it comes to New Year's resolutions, when we're proud of something we're doing, sometimes we want to share, right? You may be seeing those Facebook statuses along the lines of, oh, I just tried this diet and it works so great. Now I want five more friends to try it with me. Oh, I just bought this thing that I really like and I want five more people to buy it. Maybe it's not a New Year's resolution. Maybe it's a pyramid scheme. I don't know. But what if we treated the Bible that way? I found this thing that really works. It's life-changing. I found this thing that has saved my life. I need five people to try it. I need 10 people to try it. And don't give up. Be persistent. Church, can we resolve right now to be God's people every day? Can we resolve to live our lives for him and walk with him? Can we resolve to urgently share the good news? To close, I have one final scripture to offer you. Listen to the Lord's invitation. In a minute, we're going to stand. We're going to have a, a song. Jesus wants the burdened and weary to come to him. Hear it for yourself. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, if we can attend to your needs this, this evening, let us know. Let us be there for you. This is what we're here for. Whatever it is, we invite you forward as we stand and sing.